Today we're going to talk about Noah's faith. We're going to talk about who Noah was. But before we get there, um, I, I want to remind you uh, of the concert that is coming uh, here this Saturday. We are super excited about it. Uh, we expect a really good turnout. And uh, so we encourage you to come out, encourage you to invite your neighbors, invite your friends. It gives us an opportunity to bring awareness to, uh, for, to our community that we're here. Of who Mount Vernon is, what we're all about. We're going to be giving out stuff for, uh, that gives information about the church. We're going to have a VBS registration table trying to uh, offer VBS to different families as they come if they're interested. Um, but, but truly, it's going to be just a great evening of worshiping God. A great evening of worshiping God. Aaron uh, Schust is a fantastic musician, and uh, his songs just point, uh, point to God, give God glory, and we're really, really excited about it. So take an opportunity to invite friends and neighbors. We expect a good turnout. If you are coming, I encourage you to not come at 6.15. Make sure you're coming early. We're going to say the doors are open about 5, 5.15. So if you're interested, you might want to come early so that you can get a good seat. I read this comment recently about Father's Day. Said Father's Day is the one time of year when I get complete obedience from every member of the family. I tell them not to spend a lot of money on me, and they don't. <laughs> so today we're going to look at one father who demonstrated tremendous faith and steadfastness in the task that God had given him. A father who set an example for those around him about how to follow God. Now, we, we look at our world and, and we, we see the darkness that exists. We see the sin that is celebrated, taught, promoted, all of those things. And, and we look at and I've heard the comment so many times, Tony, how, how can things get much worse than this? It's hard to imagine things getting more wicked than what we see going on today. Well, instead of fast forwarding, let's rewind. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6 today if you brought your Bible with you. And we're going to talk about Noah. Noah was uh, a, a great man, a great man of faith. But was Noah a perfect father? And I, and I want to emphasize this today before we move forward. Noah, as a matter of fact, after, after what we're going to look at today, we see that Noah made a mistake in his life. Right? As he, I'm sure he did throughout the time he was building the ark. But one mistake in particular is highlighted in Scripture. We're not going to spend time looking at that today. Because I want to highlight some of the characteristics of Noah that we want to, that we want to emulate in our own lives. He was someone who stood out in his time. I truly believe it's because he walked with God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 to start here today. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of land, man and animals, and creeping creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah, whenever you see the word but in scripture, it's time to stop, right? You got to make sure that you understand what happened before, and then you see the word but. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The first thing that we see about Noah, the first thing as, as a father or as a believer we look at is we see that Noah was someone who was countercultural. Noah was countercultural. He went against the grain of where society was going in that time. Something stood out about Noah. He stood out in a wicked day. Now, it's important to understand this. Noah was also a sinner, right? 
He was not a perfect father. He was a sinner. Yet something about his life was different than that in the rest of society. In a world where the Bible says that the intentions of the heart of man were only evil, Noah was one who stood out. And we're told this, that he was blameless in his generation. Now we're told a lot of different things about people in the Bible, right? And we, and we remember different things about people in the Bible. For example, when you think of Samson, what do you think of? Strength, right? Someone that was strong. When you think of Zacchaeus, what do you think of? Tax collector. No, short, right? You think that he was short, right? And, and, we, and it highlights it. Here, one of the things that we see about Noah, one of the things that's highlighted is that Noah was someone who was blameless in his generation. He had a reputation. And it was a good reputation. It was a good testimony for those who were around him. It's a bit of a challenge for me as I look at the verse before that talks about how the heart of man was continually evil all the time, and we see that Noah is blameless. What does that tell us exactly about Noah? I don't think we know. I don't think we know, but what we do know is that Noah was different. Noah sought after good things when so many others did not. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was different. He wasn't perfect, but he was different. Look at verses 9 through 14 with me. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Here we go. Blameless in his generation. There was something different about this man Noah, and Noah walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupting God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. What does this tell us? Well, it tells us, yes, Noah was countercultural. Noah was a sinner. But there was something different about Noah. And it was that Noah sought after God. He sought after God in his life. See, as believers, we must also be sure that we are people who are countercultural. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that everything that exists in culture, I have to be against it? Not necessarily, right? There are good things at times in culture, but there are many, many wrong things and wicked things. And to stand for truth today, for biblical truth, means that you're going to be countercultural. You're going to be walking against the grain. Right? The Bible says in, in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Don't be conformed. Stand for truth. Stand for righteousness. Stand for morality, for justice, for all of those things. Yet we have to make sure that our definition of all of those things is founded on the word of God. We are to be different. So, so if you think about your life for a moment, if you put your life right before your eyes, do you think that you're someone who's countercultural? We're going to continue to look at different things that we see here in Noah, but let me encourage you specifically, dads here this morning. Your family watches you. Your children watch you. Are you someone who is living a life Based on the word of God. 
The second thing is that Noah was a man of faith who feared God. God gave Noah a task. And his task wasn't to go mow the yard. His task wasn't to go and, 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 and witness to or, or tell the truth to his neighbors for one day. Right? The task that God gave Noah was to build an ark because a flood was coming. Now think about that with me for a moment. Because we're going to talk about how Noah preached to those who were there in a little bit. Because that's important too. But God asked Noah to do something that had never been done before because something was going to happen that had never happened before. Think about that with me for a moment. God called Noah to do something that had not been done before because something was going to happen that had never happened before. What a challenge for Noah. He had to take this. And, and you have to forgive me today. If I say Moses instead of Noah, I mean Noah. But for some reason, as I've been working through all of this, I, I keep saying Moses. When I was rehearsing my sermon yesterday, I kept saying Moses, Moses, Moses. I don't know what's going on. So forgive me. If I say Moses, it means Noah, right? That's the index for today's sermon. Yet in faith he built. He built and he built and he built. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do things in your life that make you uncomfortable, that push you outside of your comfort zone, that don't make sense to you, yet you trust him knowing that his plan is perfect. So God told Noah to build an ark. Think about that for a minute. Wait. All right. God, you want me to what? Because what's going to happen? You mean, you mean everything? The whole earth is going to be covered in water? Listen, I, I know people are wicked, but wh- where's the water going to come from? How, how, is this, how is this even going to happen? And do you know how long it's going to take me to build that? I don't know about you guys, but I, one of my favorite things to do is to, is to mow the lawn. Because I can see it at the end. And I'm like, man, that looks so good. And I, I, I've, I accomplished that. And, and you, you just feel great about it. Now, if it took me a week to mow my lawn, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. Because after about four days, the grass on the other side is growing up. And you look over and it's like, man, I'm not even ever going to be able to catch up. Do you know how long it took Mo- Moses? How long it took Noah to build the ark? Scripture doesn't give us an exact date. Many scholars believe it was anywhere between 100 and 120 years. Imagine with me for a moment, working on the same project for a hundred years. For a hundred years. Can you imagine the patience that must have been required? The endurance that must have been required. Noah's example of faith is astonishing. And should be very challenging. Because how many times in our lives does God give us something to do? Give us a project. Maybe it's someone that you need to be witnessing to and remain faithful in doing that. And after about a week, it's like, man, Lord, this is exhausting. I can't do this anymore. I I know, God, I know you want me to be doing this. I know you want me to be serving in this ministry. I know you want me to be acting this way. But but it's, it's been two weeks. I can't do it anymore. It's been a year. I can't do it anymore. Yet Noah kept building and building and building and building. 
You wonder after 10 years if you looked at it and thought, you know, <laughs> I wonder how much rain God's really going to send because I have about this much ark built. And if, you know, if we can balance out, all right, we might be okay. But Noah trusted God in the impossible. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Hebrews eleven seven 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So he said, Noah's countercultural. Noah's a man of faith. And then I said, Noah's a man of faith who what? Who feared God. I think one of the things that we've lost in our society is that reverent fear towards Almighty God. We went from the, the fire and brimstone preaching and the pounding on the pulpit to the, to the Jesus loves everybody and you can never do any wrong type of preaching. And I think in moving the pendulum to the opposite end, we've lost that fear for the holy and reverent. We've lost that reverent fear to the holy and almighty God. What does it mean to live in fear of God? Does it mean that, that, that every day you cower because you're afraid that a lightning bolt's going to come from heaven because you did something just the wrong way? No. A reverent fear of a holy God means that you obey him, you respect him, you honor him, you worship him. You realize that God is so much greater than anything we could understand. So Noah was countercultural. He was a great man of faith and he feared God. And something else that we see in Noah's life is that Noah preached about what was coming. Noah preached about what was coming. Noah wasn't going around telling people about Jesus because Jesus hadn't come yet. But we get an understanding through the scriptures that he warned the people about the upcoming judgment. There was a day of judgment coming. Scripture is clear. But the world was so wicked, the heart of man was so wicked, that people didn't even care about what he was saying. That verse in chapter 6 that talks about the heart of man being continually evil is, is a, a verse that we look at when we talk about the doctrine of sin and how wicked the heart of mankind truly is. And here Noah, Noah communicates to them, listen, there's something coming and, and people don't care. Nothing changes. Look at 2 Peter 2.5. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. 1 Peter 3.20. Because when they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought to safely through the water. Noah preached about the upcoming judgment. Do we know what he said exactly? No, but he would have warned those around him. That judgment was coming. And what do we see? We see an opposite response to that of Nineveh, right? When Jonah goes in and, and he warns them to repent and turn from their ways, and, and the Ninevites, they, they turn and they, they repent. We, we see no repentance here whatsoever. We see no change whatsoever. The wickedness of mankind continues. And God, in his patience, allowing Noah to build the ark, waits before bringing destruction. But Noah preached about what was coming ahead. We're all preaching something. We're all preaching something. Your kids will remember what you choose to preach. Whether it's by words or by deed, 
We look at Noah's example. Uh, we'll look at Noah the way Noah lived his life here in just a, a minute as we're looking at all of these other things. But Noah warned those around him of what was coming. If I asked you the question this morning, what do you preach to those around you? What would your answer be? Maybe, maybe you love to preach about how good the Eagles are or that the Sixers are going to win game seven tonight. Maybe it's how to build this or how to do that or, or how to improve in this area or how to live life this way. What do you preach to your children, to your coworkers? Now, when I, when I talk about preaching, I, I don't mean that, that you're standing up on a, on a stage and, and you're, you're teaching and, and going like that, but, but in the way that you live your life, in the words that you speak, in the way that you communicate, you're preaching. You're declaring. You're teaching. Are you preaching the gospel in the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ? Are you teaching them the truths of the word of the living God? The Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Are you teaching all that God has commanded? See, the most important thing that you can teach in life is what God has told you to do. Everything else falls under that. So you can, you can teach about how much you love this or like that or, 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 or how to improve in this skill. Or, or, but, if, but if you're not teaching the gospel, if you're not teaching the word of God, you're missing it. See, see we, 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 have, we have the answers to all of life's issues here. The Bible is sufficient for the trials that come in life, for the difficulties, for the days that we face. We choose what we preach. Noah chose to preach and to warn those around him of what was, com of what was coming. And they chose not to turn. And that was on them, but Noah did what he should do. And then we get to uh, the, the last one that we're going to talk about here today. And it's that Noah led by example and demonstrated his love for God through his actions. Chapter 7 says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark. This is after the ark has been completed. You and all your household. For I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of clean animals. The male and his mate. A pair of the animals that are not clean. The male and his mate. And seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female. To keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth for seven days, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. Look at this last sentence. And Noah did all that God had commanded him. That last sentence right there. That's what I want you to focus on. And all that we just read. And Noah did all that God had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth. We are told multiple times that Noah did all that God commanded him to do. Is that your story here today? John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm, I'm reminded of, of 
of uh, John MacArthur the one time when they, they must have like a Sunday night thing where people can ask him questions. And I think I should maybe shared this before, but this little girl gets up and she says, how do we really know we love God? And his answer was basically, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Noah demonstrated his love for God by following what God told him to do. Imagine with me for a moment the task of building the ark like we talked about, a hundred years of faithfulness. Let's take a moment and speak to the men. Men, we need you to lead by example. We need you to lead by example. I'm convinced that so many issues that we see in the church today are because men have decided to just not do that. To relinquish responsibilities that God has given them. Noah led by example. He demonstrated his love for God through his actions. Imagine being his children, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and watching your father work for a hundred years. I can't, I just, you can't fathom some of those things, right? As you start to think about it and, and work through, you know, one of the things that I remember about my dad, one of the things that stands out to me about growing up is that he always, as far as I can remember, lived what he preached. He led by example. He never told us to do something that he wasn't going to follow through with. He led by example. If he said we weren't going to do this, we weren't going to do it. And that stuck with me. He practiced what he preached. He lived what he taught, what he said. It was never that, well, dad acts this way at home and this way over here. No, he was the same person. Do you live a life that's an example to those around you? Are you the same person? And we talk sometimes about our Sunday morning face, right? Are we the same person on Sunday that we are on Monday? And on Tuesday and on Wednesday? Are you the same person on Sunday as when something terrible happens in your life? One of the things I remember about my dad is the love for God that he had, the love for others, putting family in front of the busyness of life. And it's so humbling for me as, as I grow in being a father. And, and uh, in Nehemiah turns four in like a week, right? So about four years now. Um, it, it's so humbling to watch how much your children choose to imitate you as a parent. I remember I was watching a, a, a soccer game one time. And... Uh, the, the ball went somewhere. I, something happened. It was so frustrating. And, and this, is, this is, grew up in a really soccer family, right? We're watching the game. I said, oh, man. And I hit off the side of the wall. I didn't, it wasn't anger. It was just kind of a frustration. Nehemiah's sitting over there. He's probably two, maybe even a year and a half. Two probably. And he goes, ah. Oh. And he hits the wall on the same side. I thought, well, not doing that again, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's, but it's amazing. It's amazing to watch children as they pick up the mannerisms of the parents. If they repeat phrases that parents say, same, say things the same way. Why? Because your children are looking to you as an example. So what example are you setting? 
So for the father that's listening here today, the believer that's listening here today and thinking to themselves, you know what, Tony? I've really made a mess of things so far. I'm not sure what I should do now. I didn't set a good example. I didn't practice what I preached. I didn't fear God. But now I do. See, we, we, can't, we can't in our lives live in the past. That, that is 100% where Satan wants to keep you. He wants to keep you in the guilt of your sin. Yet, Christ paid for that sin on Calvary's cross. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So realize that today, first and foremost, that there's forgiveness at Calvary's cross. And realize that you can't change yesterday, and God wants you to live in today. Now's the time when you make the change. When you start living the way you should. When you seek to be someone who is countercultural in the way that they live because they're not conforming to the pattern of the world. When you seek to be someone who fears and loves God with everything that you are. When you seek to be someone who lives by example. Someone who practices what they preach. Now, we can look at all of these things. And I'm going to tell you this today. It's a secret. But it's not a secret. Because God's given it to us. But sometimes we treat it like a secret. You can do that. But only through the power of Christ working in your life. So if you're listening to these things here today, and you're challenged by them, come before the throne of Almighty God. And ask Him to do a work in your life. He's a good God. A God that is merciful and compassionate. And one who deserves all of our worship. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the example of Noah. The example that he set in obeying you. Father, thank you for allowing us to read the story. Thank you for recording it for us in your word. Thank you for Noah's faithfulness. Lord, it's, it's difficult to be faithful in the small tasks sometimes, let alone the large ones. We thank you for your forgiveness, for your mercy. We pray that you would give us strength, gracious God, to follow through with what you have for us. Lord, may we listen to you. May we seek you and your will for our lives. Lord, we thank you that that though sin abounds, Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sin on Calvary's cross. We thank you for the salvation that is found in Jesus. Lord, give us boldness to preach the gospel message. Lord, help us to be courageous in living lives that are countercultural and seeking you. Lord, may we worship you. May we obey what you have told us to do. And may you receive all the honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name.
Today we're going to talk about Noah's faith. We're going to talk about who Noah was. But before we get there, um, I, I want to remind you uh, of the concert that is coming uh, here this Saturday. We are super excited about it. Uh, we expect a really good turnout. And uh, so we encourage you to come out, encourage you to invite your neighbors, invite your friends. It gives us an opportunity to bring awareness to, uh, for, to our community that we're here. Of who Mount Vernon is, what we're all about. We're going to be giving out stuff for, uh, gives information about the church. We're going to have a VBS registration table trying to uh, offer VBS to different families as they come if they're interested. Um, but, but truly, it's going to be just a great evening of worshiping God. A great evening of worshiping God. Aaron uh, Schust is a fantastic musician. And uh, his songs just point, uh, point to God, give God glory. And we're really, really excited about it. So take an opportunity to invite friends and neighbors. We expect a good turnout. If you are coming, I encourage you to not come at 6.15. Make sure you're coming early. We're going to say the doors are open about 5, 5.15. So if you're interested, you might want to come early so that you can get a good seat. I read this comment recently about Father's Day. It said, Father's Day is the one time of year when I get complete obedience from every member of the family. I tell them not to spend a lot of money on me, and they don't. So today we're going to look at one father who demonstrated tremendous faith and steadfastness in the task that God had given him. A father who set an example for those around him about how to follow God. Now, we, we look at our world and, and we, we see the darkness that exists. We see the sin that is celebrated, taught, promoted, all of those things. And, and we look at, and I've heard the comments so many times, Tony, how, how can things get much worse than this? It's hard to imagine things getting more wicked than what we see going on today. Well, instead of fast-forwarding, let's rewind. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6 today if you brought your Bible with you. And we're going to talk about Noah. Noah was uh, a, a great man, a great man of faith. But was Noah a perfect father? And I, and I want to emphasize this today before we move forward. Noah, as a matter of fact, after, after what we're going to look at today, we see that Noah made a mistake in his life. Right? As he, I'm sure he did throughout the time he was building the ark. But one mistake in particular is highlighted in Scripture. We're not going to spend time looking at that today. Because I want to highlight some of the characteristics of Noah that we want to, that we want to emulate in our own lives. He was someone who stood out in his time. I truly believe it's because he walked with God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 to start here today. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of land, man and animals, and creeping creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah, whenever you see the word but in scripture, it's time to stop, right? You got to make sure that you understand what happened before, then you see the word but. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The first thing that we see about Noah, the first thing as, as a father or as a believer we look at is we see that Noah was someone who was countercultural. Noah was countercultural. He went against the grain of where society was going in that time. Something stood out about Noah. He stood out in a wicked day. Now, it's important to understand this. Noah was also a sinner, right? 
He was not a perfect father. He was a sinner. Yet something about his life was different than that in the rest of society. In a world where the Bible says that the intentions of the heart of man were only evil, Noah was one who stood out. And we're told this, that he was blameless in his generation. Now we're told a lot of different things about people in the Bible, right? And we, and we remember different things about people in the Bible. For example, when you think of Samson, what do you think of? Strength, right? Someone that was strong. When you think of Zacchaeus, what do you think of? Tax collector. No, short, right? You think that he was short, right? And, and, we, and it highlights it. Here, one of the things that we see about Noah, one of the things that's highlighted is that Noah was someone who was blameless in his generation. He had a reputation, and it was a good reputation. It was a good testimony for those who were around him. It's a bit of a challenge for me as I look at the verse before that talks about how the heart of man was continually evil all the time, and we see that Noah is blameless. What does that tell us exactly about Noah? I don't think we know. I don't think we know, but what we do know is that Noah was different. Noah sought after good things when so many others did not. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was different. He wasn't perfect, but he was different. Look at verses 9 through 14 with me. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Here we go. Blameless in his generation. There was something different about this man Noah, and Noah walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupting God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. What does this tell us? Well, it tells us, yes, Noah was countercultural. Noah was a sinner. But there was something different about Noah. And it was that Noah sought after God. He sought after God in his life. See, as believers, we must also be sure that we are people who are countercultural. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that everything that exists in culture, I have to be against it? Not necessarily, right? There are good things at times in culture, but there are many, many wrong things and wicked things. And to stand for truth today, for biblical truth, means that you're going to be countercultural. You're going to be walking against the grain. Right? The Bible says in, in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Don't be conformed. Stand for truth. Stand for righteousness. Stand for morality, for justice, for all of those things. Yet we have to make sure that our definition of all of those things is founded on the word of God. We are to be different. So, so if you think about your life for a moment, if you put your life right before your eyes, do you think that you're someone who's countercultural? We're going to continue to look at different things that we see here in Noah, but let me encourage you specifically, dads here this morning. Your family watches you. Your children watch you. Are you someone who is living a life Based on the word of God. 
The second thing is that Noah was a man of faith who feared God. God gave Noah a task. And his task wasn't to go mow the yard. His task wasn't to go and, 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 and witness to or, or tell the truth to his neighbors for one day. Right? The task that God gave Noah was to build an ark because a flood was coming. Now think about that with me for a moment, because we're going to talk about how Noah preached to those who were there in a little bit, because that's important too. But God asked Noah to do something that had never been done before, because something was going to happen that had never happened before. Think about that with me for a moment. God called Noah to do something that had not been done before because something was going to happen that had never happened before. What a challenge for Noah. He had to take this. And, and you have to forgive me today. If I say Moses instead of Noah, I mean Noah. But for some reason, as I've been working through all of this, I, I keep saying Moses. When I was rehearsing my sermon yesterday, I kept saying Moses, Moses, Moses. I don't know what's going on. So forgive me. If I say Moses, it means Noah, right? That's the index for today's sermon. Yet in faith he built. He built and he built and he built. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do things in your life that make you uncomfortable, that push you outside of your comfort zone, that don't make sense to you, yet you trust him knowing that his plan is perfect. So God told Noah to build an ark. Think about that for a minute. Wait. All right. God, you want me to what? Because what's going to happen? You mean, you mean everything, the whole earth is going to be covered in water? Listen, I, I know people are wicked, but wh- where's the water going to come from? How, how, is this, how is this even going to happen? And do you know how long it's going to take me to build that? I don't know about you guys, but I, one of my favorite things to do is to, is to mow the lawn. Because I can see it at the end. I'm like, man, that looks so good. And I, 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 I accomplished that. And, and you, you just feel great about it. Now, if it took me a week to mow my lawn, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. Because after about four days, the grass on the other side is growing up. And you look over and it's like, man, I'm not even going to be able to catch up. Do you know how long it took Moses? How long it took Noah to build the ark? Scripture doesn't give us an exact date. Many scholars believe it was anywhere between 100 and 120 years. Imagine with me for a moment, working on the same project for a hundred years. For a hundred years. Can you imagine the patience that must have been required? The endurance that must have been required. Noah's example of faith is astonishing. And should be very challenging. Because how many times in our lives does God give us something to do? Give us a project. Maybe it's someone that you need to be witnessing to and remain faithful in doing that. And after about a week, it's like, man, Lord, this is exhausting. I can't do this anymore. I I know, God, I know you want me to be doing this. I know you want me to be serving in this ministry. I know you want me to be acting this way. But but I, I, it's, it's been two weeks. I can't do it anymore. It's been a year. I can't do it anymore. Yet Noah kept building and building and building and building. 
You wonder after 10 years if you looked at it and thought, you know, <laughs> I wonder how much rain God's really going to send because I have about this much ark built. And if, you know, if we can balance out all right, we might be okay. But Noah trusted God in the impossible. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Hebrews eleven seven 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So he said, Noah's countercultural, Noah's a man of faith. And then I said, Noah's a man of faith who what? Who feared God. I think one of the things that we've lost in our society is that reverent fear towards Almighty God. We went from the, the fire and brimstone preaching and the pounding on the pulpit to the, to the Jesus loves everybody and you can never do any wrong type of preaching. And I think in moving the pendulum to the opposite end, we've lost that fear for the holy and reverent. We've lost that reverent fear to the holy and almighty God. What does it mean to live in fear of God? Does it mean that, that, that every day you cower because you're afraid that a lightning bolt's going to come from heaven because you did something just the wrong way? No. A reverent fear of a holy God means that you obey him, you respect him, you honor him, you worship him. You realize that God is so much greater than anything we could understand. So Noah was countercultural. He was a great man of faith and he feared God. And something else that we see in Noah's life is that Noah preached about what was coming. Noah preached about what was coming. Noah wasn't going around telling people about Jesus because Jesus hadn't come yet. But we get an understanding through the scriptures that he warned the people about the upcoming judgment. There was a day of judgment coming. Scripture's clear. But the world was so wicked, the heart of man was so wicked, that people didn't even care about what he was saying. That verse in chapter 6 that talks about the heart of man being continually evil is, is a, a verse that we look at when we talk about the doctrine of sin and how wicked the heart of mankind truly is. And here Noah, Noah communicates to them, listen, there's something coming and, and people don't care. Nothing changes. Look at 2 Peter 2.5. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. 1 Peter 3.20. Because when they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought to safely through the water. Noah preached about the upcoming judgment. Do we know what he said exactly? No, but he would have warned those around him. That judgment was coming. And what do we see? We see an opposite response to that of Nineveh, right? When Jonah goes in and, and he warns them to repent and turn from their ways, and, and the Ninevites, they, they turn and they, they repent. We, we see no repentance here whatsoever. We see no change whatsoever. The wickedness of mankind continues. And God, in his patience, allowing Noah to build the ark, waits before bringing destruction. But Noah preached about what was coming ahead. We're all preaching something. We're all preaching something. Your kids will remember what you choose to preach. Whether it's by words or by deed, 
We look at Noah's example. Uh, we'll look at Noah, the way Noah lived his life here in just a, a minute as we're looking at all of these other things. But Noah warned those around him of what was coming. If I asked you the question this morning, what do you preach to those around you? What would your answer be? Maybe, maybe you love to preach about how good the Eagles are or that the Sixers are going to win game seven tonight. Maybe it's how to build this or how to do that or, or how to improve in this area or how to live life this way. What do you preach to your children, to your coworkers? Now, when I, when I talk about preaching, I, I don't mean that, that you're standing up on a, on a stage and, and you're, you're teaching and, and going like that, but, but in the way that you live your life, in the words that you speak, in the way that you communicate, you're preaching. You're declaring. You're teaching. Are you preaching the gospel in the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ? Are you teaching them the truths of the word of the living God? The Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Are you teaching all that God has commanded? See, the most important thing that you can teach in life is what God has told you to do. Everything else falls under that. So you can, you can teach about how much you love this or like that or, 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 or how to improve in this skill. Or, or, but, if, but if you're not teaching the gospel, if you're not teaching the word of God, you're missing it. See, see we, 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 have, we have the answers to all of life's issues here. The Bible is sufficient for the trials that come in life, for the difficulties, for the days that we face. We choose what we preach. Noah chose to preach and to warn those around him of what was, com of what was coming. And they chose not to turn. And that was on them, but Noah did what he should do. And then we get to uh, the, the last one that we're going to talk about here today. And it's that Noah led by example and demonstrated his love for God through his actions. Chapter 7 says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark. This is after the ark has been completed. You and all your household. For I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of clean animals. The male and his mate. A pair of the animals that are not clean. The male and his mate. And seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female. To keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth for seven days, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. Look at this last sentence. And Noah did all that God had commanded him. That last sentence right there. That's what I want you to focus on. And all that we just read. And Noah did all that God had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth. We are told multiple times that Noah did all that God commanded him to do. Is that your story here today? John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm, I'm reminded of, of, 
of uh, John MacArthur the one time when they, they must have like a Sunday night thing where people can ask him questions. And I think I should maybe share this before, but this little girl gets up and she says, how do we really know we love God? And his answer was basically, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Noah demonstrated his love for God by following what God told him to do. Imagine with me for a moment the task of building the ark like we talked about, a hundred years of faithfulness. I'm going to take a moment and speak to the men. Men, we need you to lead by example. We need you to lead by example. I'm convinced that so many issues that we see in the church today are because men have decided to just not do that. To relinquish responsibilities that God has given them. Noah led by example. He demonstrated his love for God through his actions. Imagine being his children, Sem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and watching your father work for a hundred years. I can't, I just, you can't fathom some of those things, right? As you start to think about it and, and work through. You know, one of the things that I remember about my dad, one of the things that stands out to me about growing up, is that he always, as far as I can remember, lived what he preached. He led by example. He never told us to do something that he wasn't going to follow through with. He led by example. If he said we weren't going to do this, we weren't going to do it. And that stuck with me. He practiced what he preached. He lived what he taught, what he said. It was never that, well, dad acts this way at home and this way over here. No, he was the same person. Do you live a life that's an example to those around you? Are you the same person? And we talk sometimes about our Sunday morning face, right? Are we the same person on Sunday that we are on Monday? And on Tuesday and on Wednesday? Are you the same person on Sunday as when something terrible happens in your life? One of the things I remember about my dad is the love for God that he had, the love for others, putting family in front of the busyness of life. And it's so humbling for me as, as I grow in being a father. And, and uh, in Nehemiah turns four in like a week, right? So about four years now. Um, it, it's so humbling to watch how much your children choose to imitate you as a parent. I remember I was watching a, a, a soccer game one time. And... Uh, the, the ball went somewhere. I, something happened. It was so frustrating. And, and this, is, this is, grew up in a really soccer family, right? We're watching the game. I said, oh, man. And I hit off the side of the wall. I didn't, it wasn't anger. It was just kind of a frustration. And Nehemiah's sitting over there. He's probably two, maybe even a year and a half. Two probably. And he goes, ah. Oh. And he hits the wall on the same side. I thought, well, not doing that again, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's, but it's amazing. It's amazing to watch children as they pick up the mannerisms of the parents. If they repeat phrases that parents say, same, say things the same way. Why? Because your children are looking to you as an example. So what example are you setting? 
So for the father that's listening here today, the believer that's listening here today and thinking to themselves, you know what, Tony? I've really made a mess of things so far. I'm not sure what I should do now. I didn't set a good example. I didn't practice what I preached. I didn't fear God. But now I do. See, we, we, can't, we can't in our lives live in the past. That, that is 100% where Satan wants to keep you. He wants to keep you in the guilt of your sin. Yet, Christ paid for that sin on Calvary's cross. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So realize that today, first and foremost, that there's forgiveness at Calvary's cross. And realize that you can't change yesterday, and God wants you to live in today. Now's the time when you make the change. When you start living the way you should. When you seek to be someone who is countercultural in the way that they live because they're not conforming to the pattern of the world. When you seek to be someone who fears and loves God with everything that you are. When you seek to be someone who lives by example. Someone who practices what they preach. Now, we can look at all of these things. And I'm going to tell you this today. It's a secret. But it's not a secret. Because God's given it to us. But sometimes we treat it like a secret. You can do that. But only through the power of Christ working in your life. So if you're listening to these things here today, and you're challenged by them, come before the throne of Almighty God. And ask Him to do a work in your life. He's a good God. A God that is merciful and compassionate. And one who deserves all of our worship. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the example of Noah. The example that he set in obeying you. Father, thank you for allowing us to read the story. Thank you for recording it for us in your word. Thank you for Noah's faithfulness. Lord, it's, it's difficult to be faithful in the small tasks sometimes, let alone the large ones. We thank you for your forgiveness, for your mercy. And pray that you would give us strength, gracious God, to follow through with what you have for us. Lord, may we listen to you. May we seek you and your will for our lives. Lord, we thank you that that though sin abounds, Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sin on Calvary's cross. We thank you for the salvation that is found in Jesus. Lord, give us boldness to preach the gospel message. Lord, help us to be courageous in living lives that are countercultural and seeking you. Lord, may we worship you. May we obey what you have told us to do. And may you receive all the honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name.